When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here we go. Jake and Josh are here to analyze the game they love for the team they love. This is another Dolphins Podcast. Here's your host, Jake Mendel and Josh House. Now we are going to go through some players that we might be missing on the Miami Dolphins this year. There's no debating. A lot of different outlets are coming out and saying the Dolphins, hey, they have a pretty good roster. But that being said, some players were lost in free agency. So we're using today to look at some players who have gone elsewhere this year, who actually they might still be free agents, and seeing the impact they had on the Dolphins and what Miami will be missing. So, gentlemen, I hope you both did your homework. Merrick, let's start with you. You know, my guy is kind of an under-the-radar guy, maybe a guy that not a lot of people are thinking about. And I actually wrote an article about this on uh, the Finsider this week. But my guy is Brandon Shell, uh, right tackle last year for the Miami Dolphins after Austin Jackson went down. He was actually signed uh, to replace Teron Armstead at left tackle uh, before the, the Week 5 game, I believe, against the Jets. Really struggled at left tackle, but then when Teron came back, they moved him to the to the right side at right tackle. And he actually played decently. I'm not going to say he was an all-pro or anything like that, but he, he filled in adequately. Uh, he played, let's see here, I got this I got this pulled up here. He only gave up two sacks, and that's in 761 snaps for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, fun fact, even though he, he wasn't signed to the Dolphins until week five, he actually was the offensive lineman who played the third highest percentage of snaps for the Miami Dolphins in the 2022 season. And that's behind Robert Hunt and Connor Williams. And actually Connor Williams was the only player to play a hundred percent of the snaps on either side of the ball on offense or defense, only player to play a hundred percent of the snaps. But didn't Robert Hunt just miss one game or one snap? I think it was something a little yes. weird like that. Yes, that is, that is exactly right. Robert Hunt missed one snap. Connor Williams did not miss any snaps, which is why he wants the new deal, apparently. But so Brandon Shell plays 761 snaps. Uh, I, I'm going to quote pro football focus here. So if our listeners hate PFF, now's the time to, to turn the podcast on and, and turn on some old wham uh, greatest hits or something like that. If you watch the Netflix documentary, but PFF, gave Brandon Shell a 64.9 overall grade. That's 51.7 as a pass blocker, but 75.9 as a run blocker for the Miami Dolphins. So uh, if the Dolphins were, were looking to lean into the run a little bit more this year, like Mike McDaniel has said, maybe keeping Brandon Shell might have been a good idea because the guys that they signed to replace Brandon Shell, Isaiah Wynn, from the New England Patriots. Let's take a look at his numbers. He only played 423 snaps for the New England Patriots last year, mostly at right tackle, actually. He gave up four sacks in 423 snaps. Brandon Shell only gave up two sacks, playing nearly double the amount of snaps that Isaiah Wynn gave up. So Isaiah Wynn, according to PFF, had a 54.6 overall grade. So that's a 64.9 for Shell but a 54.6 for win, 52.8 as a pass blocker, which is actually 1.1 point higher 
than Brandon Shell, but only 63.2 as a run blocker. So Brandon Shell 75-9, Isaiah Wynn 63-2 as a run blocker. The Dolphins paid Isaiah Wynn $2.3 million this year. Brandon Shell signed with the Buffalo Bills for $1.3 million this year. So the Dolphins are actually paying Isaiah Wynn a million dollars more than Brandon Shell got with the Buffalo Bills. Then you look at the other guy the Dolphins signed on that offensive line, truly a right tackle. A lot of people will say, oh, Isaiah Wynn was brought in to compete at left guard and maybe even back up Teron Armstead at left tackle. That's valid. I'll give you that. Look at Cedric Ogbwehi. He played 286 snaps for the New York Jets last season, so a fraction of the snaps that Brandon Shell did. Uh, he gave up just one sack, but again, that's in 286 snaps. PFF gave him an overall grade of 47.7. That's pretty poor. He had 57.0 as a pass blocker, just 41.8 as a run blocker. Dolphins signed him for $1.35 million. That is $0.5 million more than Brandon Shell signed with the Buffalo Bills for. So, in my opinion, you know, and you don't know the backstory. You don't know, was Brandon Shell a good teammate? Did he do what the coaches wanted him to do? Did they see a future in him there? Maybe they're 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 banking on a bounce back from Isaiah Wynn and Cedric Ogboy, who are, who are both former first-round selections in the league with the Patriots and the, and the Bengals, respectively. Uh, but both Isaiah Wynn and Cedric Ogboy, he signed for more money than the Bills signed Brandon Shell for. And Brandon Shell arguably was a better player than either of them if you go by the PFF overall numbers there. Now, again, as pass blockers, both of those guys scored a little bit higher than Brandon Shell did. But again, if Mike McDaniel wants to lean into the run, Brandon Shell was a significantly better run blocker than either of those guys and had overall better better grades than both of those guys too. So I, I kind of wanted to highlight Brandon Shell there. You know, at the end of the day, you hope Austin Jackson takes that step forward and, and lives up to that first round, you know, draft selection that he was just a few years ago. And Mike McDaniel and the, and the rest of the team, they seem to see something in him because they're willing to just literally hand him that starting right tackle spot. So you hope at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. I'm a little nervous that it might end up mattering when things are said and done this year. And I would have preferred a Brandon Shell re-signing over at least a Cedric Ogbwehi signing. The continuity just seemed like the most obvious thing to me where it's like you can bring this guy right back. He might not start right away. Uh, Josh, I still remember doing a podcast after he started at left tackle, just with like my hair on fire saying, why is he over there? He is a right tackle. And that, that that's like the biggest thing. The fact they're willing to pay these other guys a little bit more. They're actually all around the same age. I think Isaiah Wynn is a little bit younger, but Agoyhi and, and Brandon Snell are, are pretty close. And, and I was a big Snell fan. If you go back, man, you watch that Buffalo game um, in the regular season, he is dominant. He is a huge part of what we're made where he most have an awesome game. And that goes back to, hey, Miami's rushing game isn't that bad when they decide to use it. Yeah, I, I wasn't I'm not an offensive line guru. I don't think any of us are. But I think when we saw Brandon Shell in the game, I mean, he seemed like he could hold his own. He seemed pretty good. So I was a little surprised when he left. Kind of sucks. He went to the uh, Buffalo Bills. I mean, we know how this is going to end up, right? He'll be like uh, in the Pro Bowl this year. Or he'll be an all pro or something like that. I do think that when you look at some of those former first round picks like they brought in, win a why. <laughs> I, I You'll thought, get it. 
I thought I was gonna <laughs> nail that first try. I kind of forgot. Um, but for Cedric me, I always, yeah, Cedrico. For me, I always wonder, you know, how did they think of like how did they feel about him pre-draft, right? Like, how did Chris Greer and Marvin Allen, those guys in the front office, Reggie McKenzie, what did they think of these guys pre-draft that you know maybe they're looking at him now? Like, okay, we can give him a chance. We can bring him in here. Like Isaiah Wynn, he has versatility. Our coaching staff, maybe we can bring out the best of him. Bring out that player that we saw with so much potential in the draft. So um, I guess it's something we just got to wait and see how this all plays out. Um, yeah, I think right now, right tackle is the biggest question mark for the Dolphins. And the fact that we would be sitting here talking about even Brandon Shell, Austin Jackson, Isaiah Wynn, Cedric O. I mean, I think we're still in a pretty, um, pretty bad situation. Bargain so bin. yeah, I, I, I like what Brandon Shell did when he was in there. Um, but again, if you're relying on Brandon Shell to protect your quarterback, your franchise quarterback's uh, blind side, you're probably in for a hurting. So um, definitely a guy I would have rather brought back, especially for that short uh, little bit of money that they did end up getting. Can I have one Isaiah, one moment for an Isaiah Wynn spin zone? Can, can I can I pitch you guys on something here? Yeah. So, yeah. I thought you were going to tell me to pronounce his last name again. I was, or the Cedric O's last name again. Big O, it's fine. So the Dolphins have a lefty quarterback, and the Patriots have a righty quarterback. So – Isaiah Wynn was playing not on Mac Jones's blind side, right? He was playing where everything was right in front of him. I wonder if, because he was playing on that right side, because Mac Jones could see it, he got less help. They thought it's more, it's harder to guard the guy who's at left tackle. So all of a sudden they decide we're going to put the tight end on that side. We're going to double team that side. So I think you're on the right track. Yeah. Help, help me out here. Help me out here. I'm cool leaving this in, all of it in. But it just seems like maybe that that, that right side um, had less emphasis in New England, where in in Miami, it is Tua's blind side, that right tackle, where you're going to have maybe a tight end over there, or you're going to understand that it's always his blind side. So maybe there's a crutch. I guess that's what I'm trying to get at without the um, uh, seven-tweet thread. No, and you might be right there. And I think a lot of Isaiah Wynn's problem in New England last year was that he got hurt early on and, and tried to battle through some injuries. He was playing out of position. He's a natural left tackle. And when he played left tackle for the Patriots, he actually did a pretty decent job. And I'm inclined to think that he was brought in to be Teron Armstead's backup while also competing for the left guard spot. I don't think Isaiah Wynn's going to play right tackle for the Miami Dolphins. I think they're banking on Austin Jackson playing that spot well, and then they're also banking on Cedric Ogbuehi being the backup for Austin Jackson and being the swing tackle overall. So I think they brought in a lot of guys that can play in a lot of different spots. Uh, even Dan Feeney, who's a left guard, can play that center position. And Liam Eichenberg is being cross-trained to play the center position uh, as well if Connor Williams, his contract situation doesn't get worked out. I think the Dolphins value versatility along that offensive line. but And, and that's probably where the answer lies, why Brandon Shell wasn't brought in, because he played so poorly at left tackle. And the only other spot that he can realistically play is that right tackle spot I think they wanted to get somebody or multiple people uh, on the roster who can play right tackle but then can also move to left guard or move to left tackle and at least play adequately which by all accounts at least in the one game that he played last year Brandon Shell did not play adequately at left tackle he was a turnstile all game long week five against the Jets versatility definitely has a lot to do it, but you speaking about turnstile. I mean, that's what Isaiah Wynn put on tape at right tackle, right? I mean, he looked like sure he looked absolutely dreadful. So um, I think they're just throwing all these bodies, like all these darts against the board and hoping one sticks and they get their right tackle. But I definitely think Austin Jackson's the one that they want to take over that position. 
It's going to be so interesting to watch this offensive line try to operate. Um, in the preseason, I think I'm going to be writing stories on the Finsider nearly every day about who's where. Um, I I'm so, I so wish I could have seen what Liam Eichenberg looked at looked like at center. I, I don't know if that was just something because Connor Williams uh, jumped out, but man, that looks so interesting to me. I think Brandon Shell's a great pick. I think we spent a lot of time last year raving about, hey, this guy's a pretty good right tackle. Let's give him some flowers. Joshua, who'd you pick? Yeah, so, I mean, you guys kind of solved this for me. I mean, I really didn't have any other choice but to go with Mike Kosicki, right? I mean, he's probably arguably one of the biggest uh, pieces that the Dolphins lost this offseason, even if he didn't fit the this, this scheme. Um, and I just have written down, who's going to step up in his place? I mean, Durham Smythe, Elijah Higgins, Tanner Connor, Eric Saubert, Tyler Croft. Again, it seems like that offensive line position where they're just throwing all these darts against the board and hoping that someone takes over those 52 targets that he had last year for 362 yards and five touchdowns. I go back to that Tua Tungvaloa podcast that we did and think about him going up there and soaring up and coming down with that ball in the back of the end zone against Baltimore. I mean, he made some big plays, and we all got super stoked when he did that gritty, right? I mean, he was so bad at it. We were talking about – He's amazing Dolphins, at it. You shut your mouth. Yeah, he's always much better <laughs> than I am at it. But we all were talking about how if the Dolphins win the Super Bowl, I think we'd staple a card, uh, uh, Mike Kosicki card, or had and all do the gritty naked. I think that was what we said last – uh, season during Sounds the podcast. Right. Yeah, I would like so, to see that. Yeah, well, maybe we'll do it this year. But, I mean, who's going to step up in his absence? Again, we talked about it on the last pod. It might be more of those receivers, the third wide receivers that take up some of that role. But no one's scared of Durham Smythe catching the football as of now, right? I mean, I don't know that anybody's scared of any of these guys. I keep saying Tanner Connor's going to be that tight end because of a few tweets that we saw last training camp. So I'm intrigued to see who takes over for uh, Mike Kosicki, who had his best season in 2021, um, where he was targeted 112 times, came down with 73 catches for 780 yards and two touchdowns. My biggest thing with him, though, is he just never got any yak, right? I mean, he would make some plays over the middle. He would get that key first down if he needed it, but he would not pick up yak to save his life. I think I remember tweeting or someone said he's kind of like Bambi when he has that football in his hand. He kind of just goes down right away on first contact and um, as soon as he was in the game, defenses knew exactly what was happening, right? They knew the Dolphins were probably going to throw the football because, again, he could not block to save his life. So I hate that he went to New England. I hate that he signed for, what, one year, $4.5 million. I mean, every year they get somebody from the Dolphins, Isaiah Ford, Lynn Bowden Jr., Malcolm Perry, and we sit here and say, oh, no. Well, okay, maybe you guys don't, but I sit here and say, oh, no, they're going to turn him in to be the next superstar, and it never happens. I do think with the offense that they run up there, with the lack of weapons the New England Patriots seem to have, I think Mike Kosicki could be very good, especially if they use him in that big slot role. So, um, again, I don't think we're going to sit here and cry tears because we don't have Mike Kosicki and his 362 yards next year, but for the type of player he was, he was a fan favorite. I mean, I got behind him a lot. I, I mean, I enjoyed watching him play. But, again, there was just so much to his game that he could improve on, whether it was his drops last season, 5.8% on his targets. He was dropping passes. Um I, I just feel like the Dolphins could have improved that tight end spot. I guess my biggest question is, have they? And I don't think they have by any stretch of the imagination. Well, Rome wasn't built in a day, so I don't think they're done at the tight end spot, uh, at least during Mike McDaniel's ten tenure. They're probably done for this year. They brought in Eric Saubert and Tyler Croft, and they, they re-signed Ooh. Durham Smythe. So, so I think they're done for this year, but you, you could see them looking to upgrade that position. They were reportedly interested in Foster Moreau before he signed with the uh, New Orleans Saints. Uh, and I do think that would have been an upgrade over Mike Kosicki, at least in the blocking department. I think he also is a, is a quality pass catcher as well. 
so they they want to do more at the tight end spot. It just those those dominoes didn't uh, didn't fall into place this year. So uh, they'll go looking in the future, and hopefully they'll be able to upgrade it. Or maybe I'm completely off base, and maybe Mike McDaniel just doesn't care about about tight ends. Maybe he doesn't value tight ends at least the way that this current roster is constructed with Jalen Waddle, with Tyreek Hill, with even somebody like Robbie Chosen, who's another speedster. Uh, you know, maybe he just, he said, screw it. We don't need a tight end this year. We're just going to use these receivers. And and as long as we can get some blockers in here to open up this run game a little bit, that's what I want from my tight end position. I also agree with you, Josh, that I think Mike Kosicki is going to flourish in New England. Um, I think a lot of Dolphins fans are a little cocky in thinking that Gesicki will go to the Patriots and do nothing, kind of like he did for the Dolphins last year. And maybe not nothing. That's a, a bit of an exaggeration, but have a have another down year. The the Patriots were always uh, the most successful when they had two quality tight ends in Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez. And I think Mike Kosicki is going to play that Aaron Hernandez role minus the murders and, and is going to actually have a, a pretty solid season for the Patriots when it's all said and done. Will it lead to more victories for them? Let's hope not. But it doesn't mean we have to sit here and crap all over Mike Kosicki just because he had kind of a down year for the Dolphins last year. Oh, dude, he's the team's golden retriever. I absolutely love this guy. Sorry, I thought Josh was good. So does Josh's daughter. No, yeah, that was one of my daughters. I was just going to say, we can definitely crap on him, though, now that he's in uh, New England, though. I mean, I I loved him when he was in Miami, but as soon as you put on that Patriots jersey, we can crap on him. It's okay. Yeah, well, once I see him in the jersey, I haven't seen anything on social media. Once I see him in the jersey, it's F Mike Kosicki all day. All they're missing up in New England is Chan Gailey. And then then they got that 2019 Miami Dolphins (laughs) offense, baby, just ready to go. So this isn't something I looked up a bunch or or looked at quite a bit, but you see how Mike Gesicki didn't fit. People don't call him a tight end. They call him a big receiver. And the second, the second they tried to get him in those timing slant routes, I can think of two plays off the top of my head. One, where his head wasn't turned yet. And two, where it bounced off his hands because it just isn't his type of offense. He needs to be able to go up, kind of do that 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 meme where it's someone just has all the calculations going through in front of their face and they're trying to jump and figure out the trajectory of the ball, that type of thing. That's where I think Mike Kosicki excels. The Miami Dolphins offense, and I'm not saying they don't throw straight down the field, but it feels like most of the time their big plays, it's not when someone's running in a straight line. It's you get across the field where an open hole is and then you break up field. You guys said it best. He is a Bambi-esque runner. He couldn't really kind of stiff arm one defender off. He couldn't break tackles. And that was the huge difference. Because with a a tight end, excuse me, in this Miami Dolphins offense, there are going to be situations where he's up against uh, whoever tight end gets his uh, starting job. Smythe, Saubert, Croft, it doesn't really matter. They're going to get lined up against cornerbacks sometimes. They're going to be lined up against safeties. At least once in a while, they need to know how to break a tackle. Just stiff arm a dude in the face, push him to the ground. I don't. I love Mike Kosicki. I think he's awesome. His highlight plays are awesome. I think any team can benefit from having a Mike Kosicki. But the price combined with the uh, mismatch in the sk- in the uh, scheme and his inability to break tackles, it was just like an ugly fit. Everything was going against him, and you know that's why I celebrated every time he had a big play, every time he had success, because you knew that with Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle getting like fifty percent of this offense, he wasn't going to be a huge part and in the offense as a whole, they weren't going to make plays that like promised him success. Yeah. Mike Kosicki excelled when the dolphins were a bad football team. 
When the Dolphins became a good football team and had a good offense, suddenly he was a role player. And Mike Kosicki wanted to get paid like a superstar, and the Dolphins weren't going to do that. So have fun in New England. Enjoy those winters. I know he's up from your area, Josh. He went to Penn State and all that. So he should be used to it. But, you know, don't let the door hit you on, on the ass on the way out. We'll see you. And and that is one thing. He's back with Bill O'Brien now. I think he was the guy that recruited him at Penn State. So, I mean, they might have a way to unleash him in the offense. I guess the last thing right now, we're talking about tight ends. I mean, who do you guys see stepping up this season? I mean, I feel like it's Durham Smythe's job. I mean, he can kind of do everything good. But we're talking about Mike Kosicki being that glorified big slot receiver. I mean, when you watch Elijah Higgins, I mean, he's not going to come in and translate right away. These tight ends never do that. But when you watch Elijah Higgins, I mean, he does a lot of the same things that Mike Kosicki does, except for, you know, going down on first contact and things like that. So, I mean, I think long term, that could potentially be the guy that takes over for Mike Kosicki. But um, I think you guys are both right that I just don't know that Mike McDaniel from coming from uh, San Francisco, where we all said, oh, the tight end position is so important, this, that, and the other thing. I don't think he sees it that way, especially when you have two of the most explosive wide receivers the game has ever seen. I, I said that. The game has ever seen. <laughs> Even better, what if Mike McDaniel is finally a coach who just knows how to build a scheme based on his players? That, to me, is the most exciting part of this whole thing. Isn't that we're just not pigeonholing people, but actually understanding that Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle. These guys are kind of good. Let's figure out ways to build an offense around them. Because I do think he understands the, the Shanahan concepts from San Fran. I think if they had an elite tight end, he wouldn't be sitting there, you know, staring at the wall like, man, how, how do we use this guy? I don't know. So so I think that's a good point, too. Yeah, so who's, you, you said last point on tight ends. You said who steps up. Today my son put uh, one of those, like, simulations on youtube i think it was dolphins raiders 2024 season ps5 next gen whatever whatever through three quarters durham Smythe had 12 receptions for over 100 yards that's i changed he changed those attributes there's no way that's durham Smythe. <laughs> I, no I was like what is, what is this crap this is the most unrealistic thing i've ever seen i told my kid i said if if this actually does happen i will buy you a ps5 for for the next uh for, for next season so that's that's wild yeah josh you asked though who's gonna start I'm, I'm gonna give you i'm gonna give you three predictions right right off the cuff durham smith will play the most snaps eric Saubert will be the guy we talk about the most tyler croft i think he'll be on the practice squad oh Tanner oh. Connor, we can't forget Tanner Connor. We He's a wild out card, there. dude. I could see him being the once in a while, like a sicky, just run a, a streak down the field and, and see if you can beat a linebacker. I definitely see that. You pick Saubert because he has tattoos, though, right? Is that the main reason? Only on one arm. That's exactly why. I think Tua has a sleeve now, too, right? I mean, I don't want to get too thrown, taken back here, but I'm pretty sure Tua has a, an arm sleeve, so I can't wait to see that. 